morning. If you haven't already turned to the Gospel of John, chapter 7. The Gospel of John, chapter 7. Sign after sign after sign. Jesus is gaining followers. His mission, uh, ministry is growing. People are noticing. and People love what they see. And behold, in John 6, Jesus opens his mouth and starts teaching and saying hard things. People start to leave. The crowds dwindle. The fame dissipates. And Jesus only has a few disciples left. What will Jesus do? Will he go back to signs to win more people? Will he fade off and be this forgotten figure? This one-hit wonder, as it were. Well, that's where chapter 6 ends, and before we dive any deeper, let's read the word of the living God. John 7, verse 1, after these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee, for he was unwilling to walk in Judea, because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the feast of the Jews, the feast of booze, was near. Therefore his brothers said to him, Leave here and go into Judea, so that your disciples also may see your works, which you are doing. For no one does anything in secret when he, seek, when he himself seeks to be known publicly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his own brothers were believing in him. So Jesus said to them, My time is not yet here, but your time is always opportune. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its deeds are evil. Go up to the feast yourselves. I do not go up to this feast because my time has not yet fully come. Having said these things to them, he stayed in Galilee. When his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he himself also went up, not publicly, but as if in secret. So the Jews were seeking him at the feast and were saying, where is he? There was much grumbling among the crowds concerning him. Some were saying, he's a good man. And others were saying, no, on the contrary, he leads the people astray. Yet no one was speaking openly of him for fear of the Jews. Let's pray. Oh, Father, this is good. To be with your people, to be in your midst, even now. Father, I pray that, that as your word goes forth, that, that you would get much glory, that your son Jesus would get much glory. Oh, Jesus, now is your time to shine. Get much glory for yourself. In your name, amen. Our sermon in a sentence, in spite of the growing opposition and lack of faith around him, Jesus remains on mission as he is faithful to the Father, faithful to the truth, and faithful to his word. In spite of the growing opposition and, and lack of faith around him, Jesus remains on mission. God has given him a task to do. Save sinners. And as Jesus remains on mission, as he is faithful to the Father, faithful to the truth, and faithful to his word. We'll look at this passage from three different points. We'll see the, the opposition and lack of faith around Jesus in verses 3 to 5. Then we'll see the, the faithfulness of Jesus in verses 6 through 10. And then we'll go back and see again the, the opposition and, and lack of faith 
in verses 11 through 13. Now, the, the first two verses, they, they again help us set the scene for what's taking place. They give us the time and the environment, the time and the environment. First, the time. John says in verse 1, after these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee, for he was unwilling to walk in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. After these things, again, as we said earlier, refers back to uh, chapter 6. After Jesus fed the 5,000, after he walked on water, after he spoke to the crowds in Capernaum, he was walking in Galilee. Now, we wouldn't know how much time passed between chapters 6 and 7 without verse 2. Verse 2 says, Now the feast of the Jews, the feast of booths, was near. If you were to go back and read chapter 6, 4, uh, verse 4, it tells us that the Passover was around the time of the feeding of the 5,000. And the feast of booths is in chapter 7. So we can deduct that historians would say there's about a six-month gap between the end of chapter 6 and the beginning of chapter 7. It's the Feast of Booze. It's fall season. So six months have passed, but for what specific time is it? He says, verse 2, now the Feast of the Jews, the Feast of Booze, was near. What's the Feast of Booze? This feast is important to note because, as we'll see throughout the chapter 7, and we will be in chapter 7 for a while, y'all. But as we'll see, it, it, chapter 7 takes place around the Feast of Booze. And so it's important to note. So what is it? Well, the Feast of Booze, a booth is a, is a temporal shelter or a tabernacle. It's a, a dwelling place. The Feast of Booze was a seven-day feast in which in Leviticus, it tells us that, that, that all the Jews were required to go to Jerusalem to remember, remember the wilderness journey from Egypt into Canaan. When, when God made the Israelites dwell in booths in the wilderness, it was a time to remember and rejoice in the provision of God's, of the harvest. The crops had come in, the work was completed. And it was a national celebration. It was to be of God's goodness to them. They were to remember the faithfulness of God as they remembered their salvation from Egypt. And the booth, or the, the tabernacle, was a physical reminder of their deliverance. And so Jews from uh, Judea and Galilee and all over the world would, would all come to Jerusalem with their booth to, to remember. And they are, because it's, it's the time. So six months have passed. It's the Feast of Booths. But John also gives us the environment. There's growing hostility and, and an opposition toward Jesus. John says, after these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee, for he was unwilling to walk in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. If you recall in John 5, after Jesus heals the man on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders, which was referred to in John 5, and the same Jewish leaders, the Jews, here in chapter 7, verse 1, they were seeking to kill Jesus. John 5, 18, for this reason, therefore, the Jews, the Jewish leaders, were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but also was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. If the events of John 5 refer to the Passover, and we have John 7, 1 here, the Feast of Booths, Roughly a year and a half has gone by between John 5 and John 7, and the Jews are still angry. The, the hostility is grown, and they're still wanting Jesus dead. There's opposition. 
And yet, Jesus isn't scared to go to Jerusalem because the Jews are seeking to kill him. I trust we'll see that, that he's not willing to go because it's not time yet. It's not time yet. And if you like sermon titles, that's where that comes from. So under that background, we, we get to our first main point, the opposition and lack of faith around him. The, the, the opposition and, and lack of faith around Jesus. In this portion, verses 3 through 5, we'll see the opposition and lack of faith of Jesus' brothers. Verse 3 says, Therefore his brothers said to him, Leave here and go into Judea, so that your disciples also may see your works, which you are doing. Verse 3 says, Therefore his brothers. But who, who are Jesus' brothers? Well, John 5 doesn't tell us all of the brothers who were there. We, we know in, in Matthew 13, it tells us that Jesus' brothers were James and Joseph and Simon and Judas or Jude. These were the half-brothers of Jesus, of Mary and Joseph. And in this passage, these brothers, they, they show their opposition to Jesus. They, they show through their words that they're on, on two different sides. Well, back to the text, it says, Therefore his brothers said to him. In other words, the reason his brothers are saying go to Judea is because, verse 2, it's the Feast of Booths. It's time. There's going to be lots and lots of people there. So it, it seems logical, Jesus. It's the Feast. We're required to go to Jerusalem, it's time to go. He says, go and show so that your disciples may also see your works which you are doing. Now, disciples here could be in reference to the disciples that Jesus had lost. Perhaps his brothers are aware of what happens in Galilee in the end of chapter 6, six months ago when many of Jesus' disciples had left him. And perhaps they're saying, Jesus, go to Judea and let those disciples see what you can do again. Win them back with the signs. Or perhaps it could be in reference to his disciples from around the world who are going to now flood into Judea. So perhaps they're saying, remind them what you did the last time you were here at the feast. Let, let them see what you can do. Show them. Or perhaps it's yet converted disciples that don't really fully know about Jesus. Let them see you, Jesus. Let them see you. Well, either way, the point remains, they believe that if Jesus goes to Jerusalem publicly, if he puts on this miraculous show and shows up and shows out by letting them see the works which you are doing, then he can gain more fame and popularity than he has. But if we keep reading, we'll see this is in complete opposition to Jesus and who he is and what he's come to do. You see, the, 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 his brothers are in complete opposition to how he's doing things. Jesus' brothers are in complete opposition to how he's doing things. Verse 4 for no one does anything in secret when he himself seeks to be known publicly. If you do these things, show yourselves. Show yourself to the world. Excuse me. In essence, what Jesus is saying is, you're in secret. You should go public. Let people know. you doing things in Galilee. Bro, ain't nobody do anything in Galilee. Nobody who wants to be known publicly, nobody who wants to be a public figure, nobody who claims to be the Messiah as you claims to be, as you claim to be, works in Galilee. You have to go to the capital. You got to go to where the people are. You have to go to Jerusalem. It's the feast. They come and go show yourself. Ironically, 
their position is in complete opposite of Jesus. In fact, if you recall in our sermon series, John 2, Jesus, he did many signs in Jerusalem where they're telling him to go. And people believed in as much as they didn't have to obey him. You see, Jesus knew their hearts. He, he knew that they wanted signs in Jerusalem. He knew that they wanted signs in John 6. And even his brothers, he could see their hearts. Believers, believing Jesus can gain disciples through a show is in complete opposition to Jesus and his mission. Jesus didn't come to be your show. He came to be your salvation. Jesus didn't come to entertain and please the world. He came to save the world. If you think that putting on a show is going to win people to Christ, you've misjudged his person and his coming. And you too are in complete opposition to the real Jesus. And so, in essence, to put on a bow, as it were, uh, Jesus' brothers are saying, if you, if you want to be this public figure, this Messiah, let everyone see what you can do. And everyone's going to Jerusalem. It's the perfect time. It's the right time. Go show yourself. Show off. But why are his brothers saying this? Why, why are they trying to convince him to show off to the world? Well, verse 5 tells us, for not even his brothers were believing in him. See, Jesus' brothers were in opposition to the way he was doing things because they didn't believe that he was the Christ. They perhaps even had their own agenda. Perhaps they can go and say, hey, I'm Jesus' brother. <laughs> Y'all see what he's doing? Like, look at me, I'm here. No, they didn't believe. And notice it says they were believing. It, it denotes a perpetual lack of faith. Before we even got here, Jesus' brothers weren't believing. And now they still do not believe. This lack of faith at this point in the brothers confirms that what we've heard countless times in the prologue. He came to his own, and his own what? Did not receive him. At this point in their life, his own brothers did not believe him. Just let that land. They had lived with Jesus. They had walked with Jesus. They grew up with Jesus. They played with Jesus. They saw Jesus in the home and how he treated their parents. They perhaps even saw miracles of Jesus. And yet, months prior to his death, y'all, we're about six months to Jesus' death. Months prior to his death, they had not yet believed. It's not the main point of the text. But I couldn't help but point this out. Some of us in here, we have family who are not even believing in him. Brothers, sisters, dads, moms, uncles, aunts, etc. And perhaps you, like I, have wondered, what have I done to contribute to their lack of faith? Maybe it's my fault that they don't believe. Well, if that's you, let me say two things to you. One, you already know this. You've heard this before. But hear it again. Your performance, good or bad, won't save your family. Your performance, good or bad, won't save your family. Yes, be faithful, love them, give them Jesus. But remember, here, even Jesus' brothers didn't believe, y'all. For years, Jesus alone saves. And if you're in that camp, if you're laundering, you're perhaps doubting, be encouraged by remembering the names of Jesus' brothers. James, yes, the one who wrote the letter of James. Yes, the one who was at the, was a member of the Jerusalem Council, who helped preserve the gospel, the same gospel that we have today. 
You see, he didn't believe here in John 5. But at some point, God got him. Remember Judas, or better known as Jude, who wrote the letter Jude, who, who, who encourages us to, to defend for the faith, to defend for this gospel. You see, church, God saves in God's timing, not our own. And perhaps the Lord is saying to you, in regards to the salvation of your family, it's not time yet. It's not time yet. Keep trusting me. Keep believing. Keep praying. Keep sharing Christ. Because I am able. Back to our text. We just saw in verses 3 to 5, the opposition and lack of faith around Jesus concerning his brothers. But how does Jesus respond to this opposition and lack of faith from his brothers? Does he just go back, oh, you want a sign? I'll give you a sign. Uh, what, what do you want? What do you need from me? In verses 6 through 9, we see in spite of the growing opposition and lack of faith around him, Jesus remains on mission. As he is faithful to the Father, faithful to the truth, and faithful to his word. Let's take a look at these one at a time. One, he's faithful to the Father, or you could say he's faithful to the Father's timing. Look at verse 6. So Jesus said to them, My time is not yet here, but your time is always opportune. Or verse 8. Go up to the feast yourselves. I do not go up to this feast because my time is not yet fully come. A natural question to ask after reading this passage is, well, what does Jesus mean here by time? Well, time is uh, from the Greek word kairos, which points not to chronological sequence, but points to time in relation to an event, a suitable time, the right time, a favorable, or as he says in end of verse 6, an opportune time. Some of you know it's not the most opportune time to drive on 240 East on Friday night. Traffic. Uh, my beloved bride, she knows when Michigan is down by one with 10 seconds left on the clock to Ohio State, it's not time to ask a really important question that we need an answer to. It's not the right time. But what is Jesus referencing when he says, my time is not yet here? Is he referring to the hour to be glorified on the cross as he did in John 2 and as he will later do in this very chapter, verse 30, in verse 30, or is he saying, so in essence, as he's saying, it's, it's not the right time for me to die. I've got other things I have to do. God hasn't said it's my time yet. Or is he referring to another event? Commentators have mixed reviews on this. But I think it's both. I think he has double meaning. First, Jesus says, my time is not yet... Here, but your time is always opportune. The, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its deeds are evil. You see, Jesus pointing out that the world hates him, coupled with what John tells us in verse 1, that, that Jesus didn't go to Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him, seems to indicate that he, he's not going to the feast because it's not time for him. It's, it's, he has a bounty on his Head. It's not the right time. It's not the time that God had appointed, and he doesn't want to put God to test. It's not time yet. But also, and more obvious in, in this text, perhaps, I, I think Jesus tells us in verse 8, he says, go up to the feast yourselves. I do not go to this feast because my time has not yet fully come. Meaning, it wasn't God's appointed time for Jesus to go up to the feast. Just not time yet. It's not time to die, and it's not time to go to the feast. So our point, Jesus is faithful to the Father. He's faithful to the Father's timing. 
Remember, Jesus has claimed up to this point that he's the Christ. He's the anointed one. And as the anointed one, he's the appointed one. And as the appointed one, he has appointments. And Jesus never missed an appointment. Wherever the Father said he was supposed to go, he went. And he went in accordance to the Father's timing. He's faithful to the Father. Consider John 4, when Jesus heard the Pharisees knew that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John. He left Judea and went to Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. Why Samaria? It's not what Jews did. Because he had a divine appointment with the woman at the well. He was on the Father's schedule, and Jesus always kept the Father's schedule. What the Father had communicated with Jesus... He was faithful to do. And so here, when he says, my time is not yet here, it's because the Father had in some way, either before or after, communicated to Jesus. It just wasn't time to go to the feast yet. He had six more months of ministry to do before he publicly went up to Jerusalem for the last time. Ecclesiastes one says, there is an appointed time for everything, and there's a time for every event under heaven. And Jesus himself said in John 6.40, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up on the last day. The Father told Jesus what he would do on the last day, and I'm convinced that he told Jesus what he would do each step of the way. And Jesus was faithful to the Father and faithful to the Father's timing. He's not jumping ahead and he's not lagging behind. He's right on time. And so, friend, church, visitor, what about you? Are you sensitive to the Lord's leading in your life? Are you faithful to his mission for you, what he's specifically called you to do? You know, we often get paralyzed in giving situations of, well, what does God want me to do in this situation? And you can read this text, ask yourself, how, how did Jesus know what to do? Well, simply, the Father revealed it to him. And so my question is, what has the Father revealed to us? word. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. Children, honor your parents. Church, make disciples. Believer, love God and neighbor. Lost soul, repent and believe. Lost soul, believe and live. May we never say to any of these imperatives, any of the imperatives of Scripture, it's not time yet. God has told us in his word, now is the time. And so may we look to Jesus, who was, was faithful to the Father's timing. And the more we gaze upon Jesus, look to him, the faithful one. Oh, may we be changed into his likeness and be faithful to what the Father has called us to do. And so in spite of the growing opposition and lack of faith around him from his brothers, Jesus remains on mission. As he's faithful to the Father, and point two under this section, he's faithful to the truth. You know, Jesus didn't mince words with his brothers. He didn't try to massage his message and make it more appealing. Ah, I just lost people in chapter 6. Now my Six months ago, now my own brothers don't believe in me. He could have done a miracle to convince his brothers. He could have gone to Jerusalem, as they said, to try to convince more people. But Jesus remains faithful to the truth. He tells them, his brothers, about himself, the truth about himself and the truth about themselves. In essence, what I think Jesus says is, we family, but we different. 
We're family, but we're different. He says we have two different arrangements. We have two different attitudes, and we have two different actions. First, the two different arrangements. He says, verse 6, my time is not yet here, but your time is always opportune. In other words, it's not time for me to go up to the feast publicly as you say I should, but you can go anytime. Anytime is the right time for you. I'm on my father's time. You're not. I'm sticking to my father's time in accordance to his mission for me. Not going right now. But you can, because we have two different arrangements. You're, 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 with, the, you're with the world, as we'll see, and, and I'm, I'm with my father. But, but, but why is any time the right time for Jesus' brothers? It's because, verse 7, they belong to the world. He, Jesus is saying, we have two different attitudes regarding the world and the world regarding us. Verse 7, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its deeds are evil. Jesus' brothers want him to show himself to the world, to the people of the world, those who are flocking to Jerusalem from all over the world. But in verse 7, Jesus flips their use of the word on its head. He here is referring to the world's system, specifically its religious system. Paraphrasing Jesus, paraphrasing Jesus, he's saying, the world loves you, hates me. See, we have two different attitudes. The world loves you, it hates me. And he goes on, paraphrasing, it hates me because I testify against it. We can infer that, that Jesus is saying here, I testify against the world, you don't. We have two different attitudes towards the world. I think it's evil, you don't. Jesus is telling his brothers, you can go up to the feast anytime because y'all fit right in. You're just like the world. But I'm not, and therefore, the world has a different attitude towards me. It hates me. It seeks to kill me in my time. Not yet. But why does the world hate Jesus? Because, verse 7, he, Jesus, testifies its deeds are evil. Again, Jesus doesn't shy away. He doesn't mince his words in the midst of opposition. He faithfully tells the truth concerning the deeds of the world. The world's deeds are evil. Sound familiar? John chapter 3, verse 19, Jesus says, This is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. Jesus is the true light, John 1. And he has testified several times up to this point in his ministry that the deeds of the world, the deeds of the religious system of his day, were evil. He's exposing the entertainment, sign-seeking world of his day. He's exposing the law-keeping, self-righteous world in which he lived, hence why they wanted to kill him. In other words, Jesus being faithful to the truth is, is clearly telling his family, you're not mine. There's a line in the sand, and you're over here, and I'm over there. We have two different arrangements, and we have two different attitudes towards the world and the world towards us. Brothers, we, we differ. And because Jesus and his brothers have two different arrangements and two different attitudes, they have two different actions. Verse 8, Jesus says, go up to the feast yourselves. I do not go up to this feast because my time is not yet fully come. Jesus says, you can go up. Action. But I'm not going up. I'm not going up the way you want me to go up. I'm not going up publicly. So application, with friends and family and people we know, are we faithful to 
tell the truth. In the midst of op- opposition from some of our families, which I'm sure there is, in the midst of unbelief from our families, which I'm sure some of, there is some, uh, are we faithful to tell the truth? Does your family, do your friends, do they know a clear difference between you and them? But better yet, do they know a clear difference between Jesus and them? Have they been told that beautiful gospel message that there is a God in heaven who, in accordance to his perfect timing, sent his anointed, appointed son, Jesus, the son of God, in the light of the world to expose the deeds of the world and to expose the deeds of their heart? Have they been told that? But have they also been told that Jesus didn't stop there? He didn't just leave us exposed. He would eventually go to Jerusalem, die the death of a sinner, and be raised from the dead. That those who would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Oh, church, may God give us grace to be faithful tellers of the truth. Even, even, even in the midst of opposition even in the midst of an unbelief world and unbelief-believing families. Again, in verses 6 through 9, we see in spite of the growing opposition and lack of faith around him, Jesus remains on mission as he's faithful to the Father, faithful to the truth, and faithful to his word. He says again, Go up to the feast yourselves. I do not go up to this feast because my time has not yet fully come. Having said these things to them, he stayed in Galilee. When Jesus said, I am not going up to this feast, he meant, I'm not going up to this feast in the way that you want. You want me to go up and show up and show up. Do miracles. And verse 9 says, Jesus didn't go. He stayed in Galilee. Friends, what Jesus says he will do, he's faithful to his word. He's faithful to his word. On this passage, D.A. Carson wrote, Jesus' response to his brothers is not that he's planning to stay in Galilee forever, but that because his life is regulated by his father's appointments, he is not going to feast when they say he should. He's faithful to his word. In verse 10, there's a transition in which we we see Jesus. He goes up to the feast. He goes up to Jerusalem. It says, but when his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he himself also went up, not publicly, but as if in secret. You see, Jesus not only, not only, double negative, not only is Jesus not going to the feast when they say he should, but he's not going in the manner they say he should. It says in verse 9, I'm not going up the way you want. I'm not going up to the feast publicly. In verse 10, he doesn't go up publicly, but as if, verse 10, in secret. Leon Morris says this, verse 10, Jesus took care to avoid undue publicity. In other words, he wasn't trying to be the main attraction that his brothers wanted him to be. And so he didn't go up in a pilgrim caravan where there's lots of people, many families going up, right? It would be like if we all were to go up to, um, to Jerusalem, a big crowd. He didn't go up that way, but he went privately. He kept a low profile because he's faithful to his word. What he says we will do very quickly, if you read the Gospel of John, you read the, as you read the Gospel of Mark, When Jesus talks, believe what he says he will do. As we close with this last section, let's remember the focus. Jesus, the faithful Christ, is the primary focus. And so even as we look at the other people, John wants us to consider them in the context of who Jesus is in this section and also the entire gospel. Again, in spite of the growing opposition, the lack of faith around him, Jesus remains on mission. 
So he's faithful to the Father, faithful to the truth, and faithful to his word. In verses 11 through 13, so the Jews were seeking him at the feast and were saying, where is he? There was much grumbling among the crowds concerning him. Some were saying he's a good man. Others were saying, no, on the contrary, he leads the people astray. Yet no one was speaking openly of him for fear of the Jews. In verses 11 through 13, John the Evangelist, he gives us some background. He, he, he steps out of the narrative and gives us some background of the scene and what's taking place before picking the narrative back up in verse 14. He says, so the Jews were seeking him at the feast. We're saying, where is he? Again, we see the, the growing opposition of Christ. The Jews were seeking him. This is in reference to the Jewish leaders, the same Jewish leaders who in verse 1 were seeking to kill him. Growing hostility. There's tension in the air. But yet, Jesus remains faithful. Do you see it, church? Verse 10, he goes to the feast. He goes to Jerusalem. The, the father tells him, now's the time to go, and he goes. But he goes knowing, verse 1, knowing the Jews are seeking to kill him. Even in the midst of opposition, even in the midst of death itself, Jesus is faithful. He remains faithful to the Father in his timing. Verses 11 through 13, so we just saw the opposition of G around Jesus. In verses 11 through 13, we see the, the lack of faith around him. So the Jews were seeking to him at the feast and were saying, where is he? And there was much grumbling among the crowds concerning him. And some were saying he's a good man. Others were saying, no, on the contrary, he leads people astray. John is, is telling us that there are people seeking Jesus. The Jewish leaders are seeking Jesus. And everybody else knows it. And people begin to, the, the NSB says, they begin to grumble. Or the, the NIV says, among the crowds there was a widespread whisper. Other translations say there's a discussion. There is murmuring concerning Jesus. There is this, this quiet debate. It's a foreign concept in America. But there is this quiet debate. And there's two sides. There are two camps. One camp said that he's a good man. And the other camp says, no, he, he leads people astray. He's a deceiver. But, but what I want us to see is, is that they, they both lack faith in the person of Christ. Let's first quickly look at the good man, the camp that says he's a good man. This, this camp thinks that Jesus is a good man, merely a good man. He's done many good things for the people. He's healed people. He's given nice messages. He's a miracle worker. He's a good man. But that's not enough. It's not enough to say that Jesus is only a good man. Jesus didn't claim to be merely a good man. He claimed to be the God-man. Go back to John 5. The reason the Jews were, wanted to kill him in the first place because he claimed to be equal with God. Next chapter, John 8, Jesus says, I, referring to God, he says, I am, I am he, I am he, I am. Good man is not not enough. Throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus constantly refers to God as Father. Just if you read it in one sitting, Father, 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 Father. He's not merely a good man. He was and is the Son of God. Unless we forget, church, that's the whole purpose of this Gospel. That, that we would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, we may have life in his name. So those who just said he was a good man, they, they lacked faith in, in the person of Jesus, who he really was and is. They, they knew some good things about him, but they didn't know him. A lack of faith around Jesus. And there's the other camp who says, no, 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 he's not a good man. Contrary, he's leading people astray. He's a deceiver. 
And yet, that's not true as well. Jesus himself says, if I bear witness about myself, in John 5, my testimony is not true. In other words, if I'm just talking to you, and I'm just saying stuff but can't support it, then I am a deceiver. I am leading you astray. But I have witnesses. In John 5, Jesus gives John the Baptist, the works that I do, the, the Father and the Scripture, all bear witness that, that he's not a deceiver, but that he actually is the Son of God. Some might perhaps say that these two camps were doing their best. They were trying to get it right. They're going off the information they know. And thus, they just, they just made an error, but it's, it's all good. They, they just they tried. But their view of Jesus showed they lacked faith in the person of Christ, the real Jesus, and therefore were still facing judgment. And, and we see the manifestation of that lack of faith in verse 13. It says, yet no one was speaking openly of him for fear of the Jews. That they couldn't speak openly or freely for fear of the Jews. They were focused on man, the Jews, more than Christ. If, if asked, can, can we talk about Jesus? The Jews would have said, it's not time yet. There will be a time in, in six months where the Jews will, will seek people to speak about Jesus. But, but it's not time yet. Now they, they don't want to hear anyone speak the name Jesus. Whether they believed Jesus was a good man or a deceiver, neither camp to, could publicly say his name. That, that's how hostile it was. That's how in, in opposition the Jews were, the Jewish leaders were to Jesus. His name was, was a trigger word. You say it and you might be excommunicated, excommunicated from the synagogue and all the benefits of, of being a Jew. In fact, in, in John chapter 9, we'll, we'll see in a few months, Lord willing, that the blind man who spoke favorably of Christ, he was sent out. He was excommunicated because he spoke of that name. He spoke favorably of that name of Jesus. In our day, we would say he was, he was canceled. You see, the common Jews from Galilee, Judea, and throughout the world, they all feared to discuss Jesus would have cost them spiritually and religiously, would have ruined their lives. But ironically, Jesus came to give true life to all those who would call on his name. You know, a day is coming, and perhaps now is where it's, it's hard to say anything publicly without being canceled. People are saying foolish things left and right, and it's costing them their money and lives. There is a Miami Heat player who just said something so foolish, so foolish, and now he's away from the team. He's canceled. But, but I'm not worried about how we would view saying other things or using other words. But, but, but what about Jesus? What about that name Jesus? Will we speak of his name in the midst of opposition? When, when the time comes for the culture to suppress those who speak of Christ, we're not there yet. Don't think we're there yet. But when the time comes from the culture to suppress those who speak of Christ, will you whisper and discuss? Or will we faithfully and boldly proclaim Jesus is the Son of God? Jesus is Lord. To sum it all up, we, we saw Jesus, in spite of the growing opposition, the, the lack of faith from his brothers, from the, the Jewish leaders, from the Jewish crowds, We saw him remain on mission. So he's faithful to the Father, faithful to the truth, and faithful to his word. And as we close, let me say, we live in a world. Other countries see it, it's, it's a lot worse than our 
country, in our city, but we live in a gro of growing opposition to Christ, to the gospel. And, and I'm not, hear me now, I'm not talking about growing opposition to, to what we like, to our preferences. I'm talking about a growing opposition to Jesus. It's, it's growing. It's not as bad in Memphis as it is in other places, but we do know our city is a, there's unbelief. There's a lack of faith of the real Jesus. And I want to encourage us to look to Christ again and, and implore us that we, we must, we must, we must remain faithful to the Father. We, we must remain faithful, as Jesus said, to the, to the truth, the, the truth of the gospel, even in the midst of the opposition. We can't massage the message. And if you don't know Jesus, if you're on the fence, if you're perhaps uh, thinking, he, he seems good, he's a good man, uh, you're saying to yourself, it's not time yet. When I was about 10 years old and I heard the gospel, I told myself, it's not time yet. When I'm 50, 60 years old, then I'll give myself to Jesus. I'll read my Bible and do whatever he wants me to do. But right now, it's not time. Well, to you, I joined the Apostle Paul in saying, now is the favorable time. Today is the day of salvation. Believe, believe, and live. Let's pray. Father, you are, you are so good. And even when it seems as if things just aren't going your way, as it were, people are, are, are leaving your, your son Jesus. And his own family members do not believe. You remain God. And we see Jesus who remains faithful. Oh, Father, make us a people like your son. First, make us to, to, to worship him, even as we sing in, in a little bit. Make us to worship this Jesus who was faithful to the point of death, even death on the cross. Who saw death coming, but, but even greater, saw the Father's plan at work. And so, Father, help us to, to live in light of Jesus and as it was prayed earlier, the distractions around us, may we gaze not at them in as much as Jesus himself. And may we hold up that faithful gospel. May we be true to your word as your son was. And Father, I pray if there's anyone here now who doesn't know Jesus, oh, that they would believe and live. Do it, God. You are able. In Jesus' name, amen.